Hey, 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 everyone. It's your girl, Eve. Welcome back to Seriously Self-Care Podcast. Remember I told you guys this is a part two segment, two-part segment on protecting black women. And I do have my special co-host, Michael, back with me. You. That's all you got to say to me, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no new updates. But we're going to dive right back into it. So what's the second segment? I really wanted to get into uh, the here and now on protecting black women. So I'm bringing you guys into current topics. A lot of topics we're discussing. So we're just going to get right back into it. Michael? Out here listening to the rock rats upstairs, baby. <laughs> she got a house. She got a house full of them, y'all. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the, um, I think the last thing we left off was um, how I said why. You know why? I think I was saying along the lines of it seems there's no desire from the community to protect black women, or even a desire from let's keep it on the top at hand, black men in general to protect black women. But, you know, how else can I really get into how we can deep dive into this and get an answer without asking the black woman sitting in front of me? Do you feel as though there's even a desire from black men in general to protect black women? I feel like the desire is based on condition. I feel like it's a conditional desire to protect black women. Specifically, Mm. I feel like um, black men want to protect black women under the condition of if that's my sister, if that's my mother, uh, grandmothers, you know, black men love their grandmothers. Uh, (laughs) And that's a joke, but that's a serious situation. And, um, or the layers of, if you, I mean, if you really want to get blunt and candid in that topic. You'll get some butt out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Even gonna say that oh, I was going to ease out of that because that's like a pressure point right there. But we did talk about that last time with you know black men in particular protecting black women or looking over or caring for a black women without expectations of some kind of sexual favor right. or relationship or getting something out of it because protecting black women should not be a situation where we're getting something like it, it should be. Nothing, nothing kind of thing. Like, this is just a selfless act that I'm doing to protect my black women in my community, black women that I know, even black women strangers. I feel like that needs to be, that needs to be on the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, So I would say, I mean, the desire to protect a black woman will be based and contingent upon, um, and the deep layers that come with that. Well, what was she wearing? Well, where was she at? How? <laughs> where was she going? Well, who did it? Was it her man? Like, well, we'll, we'll even like go into that aspect. Of it, you know, because you you said based on it's based on like it's a conditional type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel as though that's what it is, and I find it kind of odd. Not even odd. I find it ironic because I'm gonna read something. Um, that a friend of mine said to me, mind you, I made, we had this kind of, I told you already, I had this conversation with a friend of mine and a couple other people. And mm-hmm. I actually made a status about it a couple of months ago. I had to, actually had to go back and look for it. But 
<laughs> it's just crazy. Let me read it. What I said. Uh, what the individual said. I should pause it, y'all. <laughs> Little rug rat came downstairs. He was like, "What y'all talking about?" Cats. <laughs> uh, but um, just to get the tone back. Mine said this to me, and, I, and, it, and it hit me in a way. I should feel safe in black space. I should be able to walk into a room of five black men and feel like ain't shit gonna happen to me. The fact that we aren't treated like the queens you call us every five seconds is heartbreaking. Everyone is against us. And the excuse is, quote unquote, she should have shut her mouth. Too much attitude. I would love to just be soft not feel like I have to handle everything. We aren't given the safe space to be feminine. We are always at war. We have to stay ready because no one is going to love us but each other. And we we are just learning how to look out for one another as black women, because that's all we have. A black man will look out for his family for someone that he is invested in. But what about the girl who isn't? And it's crazy. I, did, I, I mean, this is my first time, like, you know, we're not friends on Facebook. You don't see stuff I post, girl. <laughs> you know? I do so, not. <laughs> so, you know, you didn't <laughs> see that. But it's crazy how, you know, when I ask you, what you know, about the desire and if it's there or if it's not there, and you stated verbatim, if that woman is connected to that man, then yes, the desire is going to be there. But what about the young girl on the L train, on the orange line, on the whatever. What about the woman that's screaming out for help that is not connected to that brother? You know, what about the woman that's clearly in some type of trouble? You know, right. or even unclearly, even if it's a woman that, you know, why is it that a woman can't go to the bar? Maybe she had a long day. Maybe she just wanted to let loose a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see that from the bar and you're like, you know, well, let me just make sure that sister's good. Hey, sister, you good? And make sure you get into a cab, get home safe, whatever. It's that that's not the case. It's it always boils back down to well, that's not my business, or you know, mm. that's you know, well, she shouldn't have gotten stone cold drunk, and it always falls back to that. Now, I'll be very honest. I do feel as though you need to be responsible and things like that. I do feel as though you need to be mindful of where you're at and things like that, because at the end of the day, you are responsible going on with you but with that being said that doesn't give anybody the right to do anything to you because you're in a position say that again that does not give anybody the right to do anything to you just because you're in a moment of weakness just because you're they they like to use the wearing something provocative. I, you know, to me, well, it just doesn't make sense. Wearing something provocative. If a, you know, <laughs> that's your choice. If you choose to wear that, it's your business. This and that. Whatever message you are trying to send and all of this type of stuff, that's that's your business. At the it's end fun. of the day, if you say no, that's not where I'm at with it. This and that. I can be confused all I want. I can look at you like I'm a little confused. I'm not really getting messages here. But hey, at the end of the day. That's not what you're, the signals you're trying to send. That's not the signals you're trying to send. And it's unfortunate that people will get upset or, you know, let, let, you know, let's keep it on the topic at hand. Some men will get upset and some, you know, will feel like, well, she was leading me on or, or along those lines. And I'm like, that's, that doesn't matter, dude, you know. And at the end of the day, if something did happen to this individual, if something did happen to that person and this and that, it's, 
it's not an excuse to say, oh, well, they shouldn't have been looking like that or they shouldn't have been drinking like that. At the end of the day, what if that is your sister? What if your sister had a bad day like that? What if mm. your sister, what if your mama had a bad day like that? Why do we got connected? Why why do we have to connect the dots so so specific to the point that it has to be? What if that was your family? What if what if that was your mother? And I I feel like uh, a lot of times, um, that's the only way for people to see that as a connecting point. Uh, a lot of times things happen to people, and people don't get it until it's them, mm-hmm. which is. Mm-hmm. Which is eerie and scary a lot of times because it shouldn't have to take that. Like I, like I know things that I personally wouldn't do. Like I don't have to experience it to know that I wouldn't. Like that wouldn't be for me. You, you see what I'm saying? So if a woman is getting assaulted or if a woman is not protected, I don't have to be like, well, what if it was me? What if it, what, what I would want somebody? It's it's like second nature for me. To feel like, hey, let me protect that black woman. Um, and that's where, and that's where we're talking about that 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 desire. Boom, right there. That desire. Why is it that it has to be some type of connection in order for, like we're staying here, a black man to feel the need to protect a black woman? Why is it that there has to be that type of connection for there to be a desire? Why isn't it just a communitive effort? To say, yo, that sister over there is in trouble. Let me make sure she's good. And 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 not just black men, but black women as well. Like I feel like, you know, and and the thing that you said when the, with with the whole queen and king, like I hate. I'm just be honest. I hate when people say that. Like I, it, it it irritates me in a different kind of way because when I hear people say, "Hey, queen, hey, king, it's queen, right. king," it's like. It's like so cliche because you feel it's condescending. I feel like it's condescending in a way because if you don't live your lifestyle at a in a certain way at a certain point for me, don't even be like, "Hey, black queen, goddess," or "Hey, black king," because I feel like that's put like that's a that's a title, and if we're putting people on that kind of pedestal, I feel like you should be living that life. Like I don't go around calling everybody queen. I might go around calling everybody sis, and I might joke in a way like, uh-uh, baby sis, or, you know, like, no, sis, but that king and queen thing, and, and, and I don't even, to be honest, I don't even call my sons kings. Like, I feel like that's something you earn. And I don't think I've ever called any guy that I've dated, like, hey, that's my king. Like, I, I mean... And I may have felt like that at one point in life, but I feel like that title, um, even with even with pro black men um, or pro black women, I still feel like because a lot of times we are human, we make mistakes. So if if a person comes to me and they king queen queen everybody king queen 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 queen, and then I'm looking into their life and it don't add up to king queen, I feel like everybody king queen. And I'm judging. And that's just my personal thing. I I love to hear other people say it, especially when I know it's coming from a strong, loving place. Like I be like, it just makes my heart happy. But for me personally, I just can't wrap my tongue around saying king, 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 queen, queen, queen. Well, well how you know, well, you know, and just to piggyback off of that a little bit, 
um, and staying at the topic at hand, protecting black women. And we already came to the to the idea, to the concept that, you know, the desire to protect a black woman, you know, most of the time needs to come from a place where a black man feels connected to that woman. Mm-hmm. You don't want to say that? Hmm? You don't want to say that? She wants to say it on the podcast, man. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We got a little, we have a little guest. <laughs> We had a little guest come in. She was listening hard. She'll <laughs> be like, "What? Well, yeah, but no. Going back to what we were saying, um, so the desire has to be there. The desire should be there. It should what, be. What, but what? What? What can? How can the? So how? How do you feel like the desire can become a thing in the community for the black men? Well, as I a feel, collective, as I, and, okay. and wait, hold on, hold on, let me finish, let me finish, because then piggybacking into what you were just saying with the king and queen thing, because you said sometimes you feel like it's a condescending, and some people just didn't deserve, doesn't deserve the title of king or queen. Let's keep it on the aspect of the women, you know, because that's what the podcast is about, mm-hmm. and um, this particular episode, so. What can you say to that black man that does not have a desire to protect black women that have no connection to him, especially since he doesn't even see her as a queen because she has not earned that title, as you may have said? Well, see, when I say king and queen earning that title, I don't mean it in a relationship point as far as a personal connection to them because I don't say king and queen, but I say bro and sis. Um, and I feel like even with my friendships, like specific titles are earned for me personally, but that does not disconnect me from someone who's not in a relation to me to not feel like, Hey, I, I want them to be protected. I want somebody to be there for them. I want, I want, because and this is just my personal thing. I understand how it feels. And now it may not physically have always been a thing for me, but to physically feel like I'm not protected. And most, like I said, most of my relationships when it comes to black men protecting me have not been relation like a relationship thing. It has like my stepfather was the example my grandmother's boyfriend was the example, but a lot of black men respect me because of who I am, because of my personality, because of the things that I say. Like it, it comes across as you have no choice but to respect me, and I feel like the disconnect is because a lot of black men don't respect women, and that's just women in general. Mm. That's not just black women. I feel like that need and that care to respect a woman that is not of relationship to you. Because and it, and it can be taught at home. Mothers, you know, their daughter can't have a boyfriend coming in and out the house, but their son can run 20 girls through the house and she ain't going to say nothing. But let me be, make this clear. My children are eight and two and it's not going to happen in my house. Now, you can feel free to do as you please outside of the doors, but that respecting a woman comes in many different ways and a lot of black men, black boys aren't taught to like they're taught not to hit women 
but why are we not hitting women? You you see what I'm saying? Like understanding that women in general need to be respected, regardless of the authority figure in your life, regardless of what role they play. Just keeping in mind that that respect is universal when it comes to women. Like, and I'm not saying that black women or women in general can disrespect a man, because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I feel like most men don't respect women and they have these conditions, these lists of why I don't respect this particular type of woman or why I don't respect women like this. Or because like I like we talked about the way she's dressed. Now I've been in a couple of relationships. <laughs> and my thing is um I'm not gonna say I'm sexy. I mean Cause I don't know. girl. But I'm gonna say that <laughs> when I like when I have a man or, or a spouse or whoever, when I go out, I like to dress. Like I, that's my thing. Like I like to be stylish. Now, I'm not. I'm not really big on being like super, super provocative. Like you know, some some of my best assets. I don't dress up particularly like I don't like to wear shorts because I feel like my eyes draws too much attention, too much negative attention from men. Why do I have to feel like that? But I will say out of all of my relationships, I've only had one relationship where a guy wasn't surveying, looking over my wardrobe, saying, Hey, you can't wear that. Where you going? Why why you got dressed like this? What you know, and I feel like that goes into the hyper-sexualization depictions of black women. And what do, I, what do I mean by hypersexualization? What I mean is that in the early 1400s, we're going to take it back, it was, it was through political and cultural landscapes for centuries that black women were hypersexualized. Now... I hear a lot of men say, my woman ain't going to be able to wear that. My woman can't do this. My woman can't do that. Uh, I don't like my woman. Like, I don't respect women like that. And I don't even think they understand where that came from. That wasn't even something that the black man created. Black women have always been curvaceous, have always been beautiful. We always had these attributes. So this is not... And we were just existing. So let me just say that. We were just existing in our natural state. But because of slave owners and because of uh, these col the colonization of um, the onset early Western colonization, they looked at us in a sexual manner. So because they looked at us in a sexual manner in a perverse manner and mannerisms that they had towards black women and justifying the rape, killing, uh, assaulting of black women, they felt like this is the excuse because they sexual. Because because they want it. Because they're looking to be touched or desired. And and that is not and and I want people to understand that this thing runs so deep because when I hear it and, and this was prompting me to do research on it because when I hear black men say black women are dressing too sexy 
or I don't really care for this and this is my preference. And, and you are entitled to have that preference, but I just want to make sure that it's coming from a you place and not all the way back to the early 1400s when black women were disrespected, neglected, and unprotected because these these white all early colonizers felt like black women couldn't be taken advantage of and nobody was going to say anything. And and, and, and in the early beginning, they weren't saying anything because they never seen beautiful women, curvy, um, the features, the hair, you know, so that turned into a perverse a perverse, perverted idea of black women. And it still goes on today. I can personally say that I can come to work and I can have on a wrap dress. And another co-worker who may not be shaped like like me, and and mind you, this is my God-given body, may not be shaped like me, but I can get pulled in the office. And this has happened to me. I got pulled in the office for having on something that came to my knees, was a dress. It was form-fitting. It was flattering. I mean, and I'm not saying wear and do anything at work, but what I'm saying is that some of these things we we can't control as black women. I find it funny because uh, again, this is why I said this. This is why I said I, you know, I'm going to sit in on this and, and listen because this is not the first time I've heard that, and we haven't even discussed this at all. We've mm-hmm. never brought this up. Mine brought that up as well. How she's been pulled in by HR because of something she's wearing because she's you know she's a voluptuous woman you know she's mm-hmm. shapely and and you know a person of uh, not as much shape <laughs> where you know something as identical or you know something that's you know and, and as you said form fitting but because they're not as shapely you know they they walk around the office and everything's fine and you know and, right like when I'm supposed to get my body back I don't understand like I, I feel like and I have not always had this point of view let me let me be clear because I have been the woman that will look at a woman and say oh my god why do she even have that like what is going on with this kind of time of place but as I am a 31 year old black woman now in this in this space I do feel like it's unfair to even say that to another sister or think that in in a way for, for another black woman, me being a black woman saying that about another black woman, because a lot of these things we cannot control and the sexual orientation and thoughts that come through people's minds, like we can't control those thoughts and we don't even have to be doing anything sexy or, and, and I keep saying that word sexy because people relate that sexy to sex. So, you know, a lot of times it's not, oh, she cute, she beautiful, she's sexy, like she got sexy, like she got had some sex appeal. And that same sex appeal that black men want, they say, oh, now well, my woman, like, okay, so I'm confused. It's okay when it's not your woman. Like, it's, it's easy, it's easy on the eyes. So she, she don't have any 
heart or spirit back there, so we don't have to protect her. So, you feel as though, don't try to, uh, uh, try to put it in perspective. Oof, what? It's a real podcast right here, man. <laughs> <laughs> these kids don't, these kids don't care what's going on, man. They, they're like, girl, you a mobby first. But anyway, you know, um, and the, the last bit that she was talking about with the hypersexualization of uh, black women and things like that. So, going back, um, about what you were saying, do you feel like this hypersexualization of black women, do you feel like that have black men feeling like they aren't quote unquote worth protecting? Yes, I do. I feel but I feel like and this is not even just a, a woman man thing, this is just a human life thing. So is no human life worth worth protecting? I mean specifically black women and men, I do feel like because of an image and because of a man's thought process. And that goes, that, that thought process runs so deep. That it's so complex and so complicated. I don't even want to get into that because I'm not a man. However, what I've seen and the things that people post or the things that come across, I do feel like some men, some black men in particular, feel like a woman is not worth protecting because of certain things that she do say dress like behavior like and mm. and to me it's the weird I just posted this the other day. I, I said I feel like it's I feel like it's the weirdest thing to hear a man say when he feel like a woman should dress, talk, walk and behave like I just I just feel like and a lot of times it's thrown out there to make excuses for and I see a lot of excuses for black women not being protected. Like so some men may say, hey, this black woman wasn't protected because she had on short shorts and she was at the club. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's kind of like what we were saying earlier. Right. And, like and I feel like, so she got, so that doesn't make her worthy of being protected? Like, come on. Um, if it was your mother, if it was your sister, you don't tell your sister and your mother how to behave, walk, talk, you just respect it for what it is. They're grown adult women. Or or young girls. I mean, either way, I feel like... There's the disconnect, right? You know, as we were saying earlier, it it still keeps going back to there has to be some type of connection. Right. Even in the last podcast, when we talked about it, like, real briefly, it was like, where's that sense of community? It was lost upon us. Right. Because... We don't look at each other as a community. And that's why it's like, to me personally, that's why I feel like, you know, just hearing Black women state, you know, as a collective, they don't feel protected, you know, especially from people that's not connected to them. That sense of community is gone. And it's um, tough hearing that, you know, a good majority, if not most of Black women, Feel this way, and it's exactly it's it's it's, it's, it's a little heartbreaking. Huh? So like, I, I want to read the numbers. So twenty two percent of black women in the United States have this is not they have experienced rape. Forty percent will experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. That's forty percent of black women. Black women are killed at a higher rate than any other group of men. Mm. Black women are less likely to be believed and supported. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, let me tell you, jeez, this is weird. <laughs> it's not. I'm not. I'm not laughing at the the, the plight or anything like that. I'm just talking to my friend, you know. And she was like, you know, that black women die at a higher rate than any other women in the hospital because you know these doctors they, they think for some odd reason when we say that we're in pain, we're lying. Or and you know they that, believe that we can take the pain. They believe that black women can take the pain. That's why we were testing on. I mean, this these things are so deep. They tested on black women, medicines, surgeries, without anesthesia, without without the proper medical care. I mean, this thing is so deeply rooted. And I wanted to talk because black women are not believed. And, and I, for one, have been through a a, a traumatic experience in 2014 uh an ex-partner of mine and we weren't even intimate in that way when this happened came into my house while i was while i was asleep in my own home and i just want to say in my own home and tried to violate me sexually and I never experienced nothing like that in my young adult life. And I, I want to say that because uh, so I experienced uh, a sexual assault situation that happened to me. And I want to reiterate that I was in my own house. I was not aware. Um, but the unfolding behind that and the, the complex emotions and thoughts that came behind that because as I stated black women are less likely to be believed and supported when it comes to outing someone for sexual assault, intimate partner violence, rape, molestation. These are black women feeling like that and I want to say that in that moment I was I was surprised by how so many people uh, that I was close to and complete strangers reacted to my story. Um, because, and, and this is all, these things all happened within 24 hours of each other. So people found out, my family found out, friends found out, associates found out, strangers found out. I mean, it was just a snowball of, different things that happened and I remember I remember people asking me well why were you in your house sleeping in a burrow with nothing else on <laughs> and I was like wait what I laugh about this now but I'm like why was I in my house sleeping with a bro and nothing else I'm sorry this is not where I live at and and this this goes back to the complex and this is why I say these things run deep these complexities behind protecting black women especially from black women and black men as to the excuse like like it has to be a reason behind a person doing these type of things where there is no excuse and I remember somebody telling me um, I should have checked. I should have checked my windows at night. And one thing that I can say, I agree that 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 the responsibility lies with me. But also in that moment, because 
I'm not to open up the window, let the sun shine in because I know that I'm like single mother protecting my home. So I never. It doesn't give anybody a right to violate you just because you, you know you left your window open, or you know. But in that moment, I felt blamed and faulted because, as a woman, you should make sure that your first priority is to protect yourself and your children and in your home and. And this this happened to me at, I, I don't even know what, I, honestly, I don't know what time it was. I, I want to say it was 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, I had a Baltimore City officer, black officer, black man, read over the incident because I had to go and file a report. And the first thing that he said out of his mouth was, what the hell is wrong with this nigga? This was, a, this was a black police officer. I, ne- I never would ex- expect because in going through trauma and, I, and trauma is so complex because there are so many emotions that you will feel consistently over and throughout the years. Like this is, and, and I can say this story, I can talk about my story without crying now, but then I wasn't at that point. And he said, what, what, what the hell is wrong with this nigga? And then when I brought it to the station and the, it was a black woman there and she said, you mean to tell me this man was standing over your bed naked and you were asleep? Is something wrong with him? And, 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 and I honestly felt like in that moment there was a sense of community because this, it's like nobody will believe me unless they were there and experiencing it with me. This officer was experiencing it. He didn't experience it then and there, but he was experiencing the aftermath. This clerk that I had to tell my story to was experiencing the aftermath. Like, and these things were so humiliating and embarrassing that I didn't even want. I I remember get people asking me what happened, and I would just hand them the paper and just go away because I just I couldn't talk about these things and. A few black women have came to me since the first part of the podcast and told me some of their stories. And I, I want you to, I want people to understand that these things weren't so deep. Women, black women feeling embarrassed and humiliated and, and out here unprotected and feeling like in these moments we have no one and we may even have a village backing us. But in these moments, and I, I want people to understand that in those types of moments, you cannot afford to tell another black woman anything that in relation to your opinion behind it. And I, and I want people to, sh- I want to stress this enough because a lot of older black women have these issues and these preconceived notions on assault and rape and all of these things. And I hear a lot of black women say, well, she shouldn't be dressed like that. Or, well, what did she do? Or, well, she should make better decisions. And and I get that. But when a person is dealing with these types of traumas and they feel connected and safe in a safe place with you enough to tell you, the last thing that you should do is to ask them questions. Give your own feedback, your own opinion, your own thought process, because no one deserves to be in a moment where they feel unprotected and they feel like they have to explain themselves. 
And, and I feel like this protecting black women should go without explanation. Like black protecting black women should not be an explanation uh, contingent upon a continuation of a fixation of it should not be any of those specific mandates. It should always be I'm going to protect her first. And and I want to talk about because black women are less likely to be believed and supported and it's so scary and it's eerie because these things have been going on for so long and I want to bring in and I know this might be premature, Michael, but I want to bring in the Megan Thee Stallion situation because... Meg! We're going to talk about this Megan Thee Stallion because this has been on my mind. Uh, I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> Alright, I'll... Because uh, I haven't spoken on this. You know, I haven't spoken about it at all. I don't know if you're going to get mad at me or not. Or whatever, but honestly, when I first heard it, I said, what, what happened? Like, what happened? Well, I was like, what? Tor... Tory Lanez, the, the story is that Tory Lane shot Megan. I'm like, what happened? Like, I'm not understanding what happened. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, like it was what, confused. Like, yeah, I was confused. Like, like, not did, the gun, like, did the gun go off? Like, I'm not understanding what happened. What do you mean? He pulled his gun out and he shot that girl? Like, it was confused. So it wasn't confusion like, I need to know all the facts. It was confusion no, like. Don't get me wrong. I'm a person, but that's me in general. I do want to know all the facts. Okay. I do. But I think because I'm like, hypothetically speaking, if she pulled a gun or she pulled the gun or whatever, like, or if she had a gun or something like that, yeah, I want to know all the facts. But what I'm saying is what I heard, this is all I heard, Tory Lane shot Megan Stallion. I said, I'm not getting, what do you mean he shot her? Like, like he had to the make gun, a like, I'm like, when he had the gun on him, he like, I'm not understanding. Like, he, what, what happened? She had a bug on her shoulder. I'm not getting what happened. <laughs> like, it's not making any sense. It, it didn't make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I feel as though there's nothing wrong with asking what happened. I, there's nothing, that doesn't make, that doesn't make a black woman any less believable, anything like that. And I, I feel as though there's a there's a thin line between the a two. A very thin yeah, line. Yeah, there's a very thin line there. Because I don't feel like it's wrong for a person to ask what happened. That doesn't mean they don't believe. That didn't mean that they, oh, well, she had to have done something. No, I'm just saying, what happened? Like, And I get that. And, I, and you know what? I've been reading and seeing so many people post and talk about the fact that Megan Thee Stallion is a 24-year-old black woman. Who is hypersexualized because she's an entertainer. That is her job. Um, she's hypersexualized and in a way, and, and she turns up, she, she drives a boat. And I hear so many people saying that this is the reason why this black woman got shot. She was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, why does she dress like that? What was she doing? And I, I just want to say this because. I love Megan Thee Stallion. Let's, I'm, and, and you know what? I, I love Megan Thee Stallion because I relate so much to her and her her personal. I don't know her personally, but the things that I've heard about her personal upbringing and coming up and the the different things that she's went through and came out of. Uh, so when people say, "Oh, she she always got on the G string and booty shorts," you know, but I'd be like, "But that girl in college, she's well educated. She's well spoken." She a grandmama child, and I feel like grand people, children that were raised by their grandparents are different. Um, 
And I relate and I relate her to me because I want people to understand that if it were me, would you feel like I was supposed to be shot? So I'm, ta- I'm taking this back because I was an 18 year old young girl who my mother, my, my grandmother and my stepfather died within a year of each other. I never made that connection until I got older. They died within a year of each other. Um, and I was still in high school and I was going through so much emotionally because I didn't want to go back to school. I think I missed like 60 days of school my senior year because I did not want to go back to school. I was only graduating high school for my grandmother. And that hit me hard. And then you take this 18-year-old and you take the, the two people that she felt the most protected. So I'm relating this to Megan Thee Stallion. She lost her grandmother and her mother. And you, so I lost the two people that I felt like were most important and my biggest supporters and the people that I felt like I was protected by. And then you add on the fact that shortly after that, I ended an engagement. <laughs> and that was the person in my life who I felt like protected me and was there for me. And I was dealing with so much grief and so much baggage and that break that breakup was like the last straw, like propelled me into this wild emotional roller coaster. And I was 18 years old. I was the only 18 year old that I knew at the time who had her own place. That her bills was all paid up. And my friend would meet me. And the way Megan drive the boat, I used to drive the boat like that every I want to say every other day. I would be drinking of alcohol trying to numb the pain of all the things that I was dealing with and I felt like I wasn't protected and I and I felt like I didn't have anybody and I didn't have anybody checking up on me I, and, and, and I'm saying this because I just started grief counseling and I plan on starting grief counseling with my therapist I'm 31 years old. I lost those two people that were the most important to me when I was 15. So looking at it from that perspective of how I went through these different changes and nobody understood and I had all this pressure against me on me to be the best and to be this lawyer and I was top 10% of my class and I'm looking at all these things and I want people to understand that Megan the Stallion is a human being, is a black woman who was in a safe space, at least she thought she was in a safe space, was someone that she cared about to whatever degree she felt, who, from what they say, Tory Lane stated that they bonded, trauma bonded over the fact that he lost his mother, she lost her mother. And then we take that and she's in the safe space with this person that she care about and she gets shot. I want people to understand how that is not a black or white kind of situation. That is so intense and so complicated for a black woman to experience. A 24-year-old black woman. I want people to understand because I keep saying the age because I want people to stop acting like they don't make mistakes. And that the responsibility of a 24-year-old woman is the same responsibility as a 50-year-old woman. Like, let's cut that out. So, 
when you take all of that and she went through all of the things that she she went through and is dealing with, and then she in the public eye. I wasn't in the public eye dealing with the things that I dealt with, but I still had that judgment from people around me. People still didn't understand where I was coming from, why I was so hurt, why I was drinking, why. And I was 18. I wasn't even 21. I want people to understand that from the outside looking in and the situation with Megan, there is no excuse for why this young black woman in an industry full of, a dominated industry full of black men should be out here on a limb doing a live saying she felt like she was unprotected. I don't care if, if, and I want people to understand, I don't care if it was, she was at a party, she she had her butt in the air, she was twerking for three hours straight, she, she jumped in the pool, she got into an argument with him. I do not, and I, I want people, because people don't understand that it does not even matter. I relate this to me personally. As a black woman, if I got shot by a black man, I would want people to rally against that black man because he shot me. That's it. And and that is the black and white. It's no in between with that. It's not black men are, are being chastised and a woman raped by the police. And that's what she said. And people don't understand that. Like, well, why would she feel like she needs to protect him? Because our black men are dying and a woman raped the same way our black women are. And, and, in that, and in that nature and in that sense, us black women feel like we need to protect our black men. And I felt like, I felt that. I experienced that in my sexual assault in 2014. I felt like Oh my God, they're going to lock this man up. Maybe he just need help. And, and this is the, the level of traumatic thinking that black women go through and experience. And I, I never told nobody that. I felt like, hey, they're going to throw the book at this man because of what he did to me. And maybe he just need help. But that leaves no room and no excuse to be violated. And I feel like black men play on that too. You want to say something like that? Nah, that's for another topic. <laughs> that last part. That's for another topic. But, you know, I will say just listening to all of that. Um, and yeah, I do remember. Um, I mean, I followed the story, but I didn't follow the story. So I do remember her st stating that, you know, she didn't cooperate with the police and the because he was afraid. He was afraid that they were going to do something to all of them. And, you know, at the end of the day, to still have that protective instinct, even against, it's not funny, even against the person that just shot her, you know, as they as they say, you know, it, it's, it's baffling because it's like, dang, even after all of that, even after we just did to you, still looking to protect them, at the end of the day, Y'all sisters is out here just feeling like that that same level of protection is not reciprocated by your black male counterparts. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a tragedy because 
I want to get into Breonna Taylor and Sandra Bland and the whole Say Her Name movement. And that's what started by black women. And in the, the, the vocal point of Black Lives Matter has always been around, surrounded by black men being gunned down by excessive force from police officers and abused uh, the powers to be abusing their power against black men. So the fact that we had to hashtag Black Lives Matter, so we bringing that in, and then we have a separate whole entity of hashtag say her name because black women don't get those people rallying behind the behind them like black men have. Like Freddie Gray. Like all of the different men, and there's so many, so I don't even want to trade on my, I, I mean, tell me you're right. I, I mean, these are so many black men who are losing their lives, senseless gun violence when it comes to police officers. And I have experienced that myself because my, like I stated before, my stepfather was gunned down by Baltimore city police officers in 2006 before it was a hashtag of black lives matter. And we dealt with that in private. And that affected my family. That affected my community. That that affected how I viewed things. So specific to that being a relation to me. But before that was a thing, I always felt like the protection of black men is first. And black women feel like that. However, I feel like it gets sideswiped with say her name because Breonna Taylor's killers have not been convicted and charged of her murder. And this has been 200 and something days has passed since Breonna Taylor was asleep in her bed. And this, this is what I, and, and I always would like to give the background story to situations because I want people to understand that this thing, I need you to paint a picture. I'm a black woman. I'm asleep in my own home with my boyfriend from coming from a long shift of working in the middle of a pandemic and police did not knock on my door, did not announce themselves. And my boyfriend, my black boyfriend, my black, my black king, and, I'm, and, and he earned that. My black king is laying in the bed next to me. He hears someone breaking into our home instinctively. He is to do what? Protect me. He shoots, gunshots ring out, and at the end of the day, I'm a dead black woman. My boyfriend lived to tell a story, but my mother is leading, a black woman is leading that movement behind my death. And I'm not, that's no shade towards her boyfriend. He has experienced his own personal traumatic experiences with these officers. And in Kentucky who deserves to be charged for killing this black woman, Breonna Taylor. Sandra Bland was a 28-year-old black woman who we see in the video the excessive force used against her for not using a turn, turn signal resulting in her death. They find her dead in the cell and there's no answers. And people say they don't understand why black women don't speak out and say Hey, I don't feel safe. I don't feel protected. I had a friend. I had a friend who 
told me it was an abusive relationship and she told me that she said, Hey, I think my boyfriend is afraid of you. And I said, well, why do you say that? And she said, I feel like he's, he's, he's afraid of you. Like you make him nervous. And I said, I make him nervous because most of these situations that women get into with domestic violence and abuse and rape, they, these men prey on these women of not feeling protected. These women who don't have family, these women who don't have friends, these women who don't have anyone to come up and say, hey, we're not doing that. I said, so it's not necessarily that he's afraid of me. He's afraid of what I represent in your life. Because black women unprotected is a target against her. And and this is why I say protect black women needs to be a community thing. And black women need to protect black women. I, I hate to see black women come against another black woman in defense of a man who did something to hurt, harm, or endanger another woman. That, that and it's so normalized. And, 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 and like I said, this is going to be a trigger one. These things are so normalized, but it is crazy to me that black women do not feel the need to protect other black women. It is our responsibility first to protect our sisters and and not for the attention of men because a lot of times these beefs and these these things black women coming against black women is for the attention of men is for gaining some man's attention or gaining some man's respect and 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 we need to stop that because I don't care who you are if, you, if I see that you are in a situation where you need my help I'm gonna be proud of it you don't owe me an explanation. Black women need to get out of the habit of telling another black woman, I need you to explain why you're going through this. Or I need you to tell me what happened. It, protect black women. There should be no explanation needed. So, Michael, do you have anything? I think... I think we touched on some um, some points that definitely will need a much more discussion, especially going back on the first earlier points with the desire to actually protect. How can we, you know, bring that desire back to the community as a whole and stuff? And, you know, we we've touched on the problems. Uh, we've touched on we've we've scratched the surface on a couple of things that. Um, the process of not protecting black women, whether it's the hypersexualization of them and the not being connected and things like that and not believing them, all of those things. We, we scratched the surface with it, you know. And I mean, barely scratched it. There's much more that goes into it, you know. And We're going to revisit this topic, by the way. Yeah, because... I, I definitely think, you know, it's it's going to take a lot more. And I think, you know, it, it, you know you, as your podcast grows and goes on, you know, you invite other people on to get different perspectives and things like that because, you know, I'm not the only perspective. My perspective is to listen, to comprehend, to understand, and to move forward with it. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily have the answers. The only thing I can think of is to start at home, moving forward, start at home. 
these kids, this next generation is coming up, start at home, start teaching them that it's important to look out for your community. You know? So, girl, oof, boy, this, this, woof, this elephant, ele <laughs> elephant in the room type topic, man. Woo, so eerie. Yeah, man, this, this is, this is something that we can talk about this until we're blue in the face. And again, you know, when you decide to bring this topic back up, you know, definitely come through and, you know, give some more points on stuff. But I think this is something that, Definitely needs to be talked about, continue to be talked about, because that's the only way that we're all going to come to some consensus and come to some understanding and finally say, hey, we need to look out for each other much better than we have in the last however many so many years. And stuff. I do think that it's good that um, women are coming together more, black women are starting to come together. Girl magic, all of that. Type. Yeah, yeah. Black it's girl so magic necessary. and all of that type of stuff. You know, it's 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 showing that you know, you all do. You know, you all collectively do love each other and look out for each other. And you know, it's unfortunate that it may be coming from a place of you only have each other. You all feel as though you only have each other, but at least it's coming to the forefront now. And I think individuals like myself. You know, other people that are willing to sit down and listen to the things that are going on with you all. You know, I think that's the first step in the moving forward to helping the next generation. I can't say that this generation or even the last generation can be helped. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, a lot of people are stuck in their, in their, their ways. ways. Yeah, a lot of people are stuck in their ways. And me personally, I just, I feel like, you know, if you don't got God in your life or your date, God got changed up. Because you could talk to me blue in the face, and and he will, and, and, and you know, and, and and certain people just they won't hear it, they won't understand it, they choose to not understand, to be it. ignorant. You know, they choose. That's a choice in some mm -hmm. matters. You know, that's a choice with some people. They choose to remain ignorant to the fact because there's nothing that difficult in trying to hear a person out when they say, "Yo, I don't feel protected." I like men by the black community, some black sisters, you know, and it's just a matter of sitting back and listening and trying to understand because that's all I can do. You know, I took the first step trying to understand where it is. And I appreciate you being here, Michael. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. I appreciate your feedback. And seriously, self care will divulge in topics that are not. That are controversial, that are trigger, that will trigger you. But the ultimate goal of Seriously Self Care podcast is to get your attention and to get you to think and to get you to listen, and also to get you to go out and investigate these things for yourself. Because the more you know, the more you grow, and that is the biggest thing. I want to. I want my audience to grow and I want us to learn and I want us to come together as a community. And thank you guys so much for listening in. And this two part segment has come to an end. <laughs> ah, the sequel is over. <laughs>
Maybe there'll be a trilogy. Maybe there'll be, you know, part eight, like Friday the 13th or something, you know, you know, because this type of topic could go well into the, well into the hundreds, man. But, you know, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Michael. And this is your host, E, signing out. You. Yeah.